Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it's the Mass and All Access podcast. Paul Mancano and Bobby Blanco. A long layoff is finally over. The last time, Bobby, we did a podcast was before New Year's, before the holiday season, before winter meetings in Las Vegas. It has been forever. It has been a long time. Happy New Year to you, Paul, and to you all, Birdland out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been a long time, and a good amount has happened. So uh, we just kind of wanted to recap the end of 2018 and preview the start of 2019 for all you Orioles fans out there. So welcome back to the pod. And I would ask how your Christmas and New Year's was, Bobby, but frankly, no one cares. It was uh, great. So. Um, <laughs> and we're started. just, just going to plow right <laughs> through that. Uh, hope everybody, though, listening had good holiday seasons. Also, before we get into the actual baseball stuff, Bobby, we obviously, as mentioned at the open work in the warehouse, why is there a massive crane right outside our window sitting on Utah Street that's just taking up a huge portion of Utah Street? I'm going to guess, and I don't, this is not, I'm not saying I know what's happening, but my guess is they're mm-hmm. treating the roof okay. in case of snow. In case of snow. Now, okay. I know snow is nowhere near the forecast, right. but I'm sure that this roof, we'll get it. this is an old building, I'm sure this roof had to go has to go under some sort of maintenance. For each winter season, probably just in case you know you get a, that heavy snowstorm and then you don't want a, all that frozen liquids just sitting on top of the roof. Probably, probably not good for the old building. It, yeah, it was. Uh, it was That's quite my guess. A sight. That's, That's a pretty good guess. It was quite guess. a sight when we were walking in. Either yeah, that or cleaning it, just or just, just cleaning, just straight or cleaning. just some maintenance. Yeah, um, that is that crane being outside uh, Oreo Park at Camden Yards might be the most exciting thing that has happened in our office. Since the offseason began, so uh, yes, yeah. that's, that's since they tore up the field. Yeah, since they tore up the field, what a what a view we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have not talked right. since Brandon Hyde was hired uh, as the Orioles manager. That happened shortly after winter meetings. There was, of course, a little bit of confusion on the Wednesday of winter meetings when there were reports surfacing that he wasn't hired or that he was hired, and then Michael Elias denied it. All of that now is in the past. Maybe not the best start in terms of perfect communication yeah. uh, from this front office to the media, but we're past it. Brandon Hyde is the new general, uh, new manager under Mike Elias, the general manager. He was introduced before Christmas. Bobby, your first thoughts of Mike Elias or of <laughs> Mike Elias, of Brandon Hyde as the Orioles manager. I think they got their guy. Um, you know, obviously, Michael Elias did a good, thorough search for the manager, and mm-hmm. we t- we've talked about the entire long this whole process. Each hire is so vital to this rebuild, to this organization's future. Yeah. Whether starting from the GM, assistant GM, manager now, um, and you know, it looks like Michael Elias did his due diligence in, in in evaluating his candidates and looking at who he wanted to bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that Brennan Hyde is a relatively young guy, mm-hmm. someone who can relate to these young players. Um, he, uh, he has a history of dealing with um, um, Latino players, and um, and that's going to come vital. And we're going to touch on that with the new hiring of the new international scouting director. Yep. Um, so I, I think they got their guy, and the the patience paid off. You yeah. know, it's it, 
Orioles fans, we know you and I even were getting frustrated at times yeah. um, during this process because, one, there was no real signs of progress and no real hints of what's happening. And, two, we didn't know what – you know, we couldn't even talk about candidates because we didn't know who yeah. were, you know, coming in to interview for the position. Yeah. And so – but I think the patience paid off. They got their guy they wanted. Um, he seems like a good fit. He seems very energetic, too, and eager to take the job. Yeah, he seems – came off as very genuine, I yeah. thought, uh, in the, both the press conference and then a couple days after that, he came up to the Mass and All Access studio and we sat down with him and talked and uh, came off as very nice, very genuine. Uh, and there are some things that I do want to touch on that he said specifically. It's tough because he came in and he acknowledged he had didn't have a firm grasp of the roster and the – uh, players on this team because he was just coming into the organization, but he did give us kind of a some insight into what type of manager he is going to be, and he has already started to make some hires in his coaching search, uh, trying to fill out uh, the the coaching staff for the Orioles 2019 season, and he talked about putting the right people in the right places, something that he learned in his time with the Cubs overseeing their minor league system, he talked about culture changers and making sure he can find those people and put them in positions to succeed. I think we just got the right guys in there that just wanted to be passionate about players, passionate about teaching, grinder type of mentality, no, you know, egoless, um, all about the organization, the player, and um, we had some success. I, you know, like to take a similar model here. Obviously, it's a little different at the major league level. Yeah. But yeah, we have a lot of teaching to do here. Still a lot of development that happens in the big leagues, and we're looking forward to putting the, the right staff together and get after it. So that's what he's looking for as he starts to fill out that coaching staff. Yeah, and I also kind of I was I wanted to mention that you know we also talked about the person who's going to take this job had to be in for the long haul. Mm -hmm. You know, he he's eager to take this is a tough tough job yep. right now. I mean, it's, it's, you could argue this is going to be the hardest managing position in all of baseball. Yeah, just because of you know, we don't know who's on this roster for the long term. There's a lot of young talent, unproven talent. Mm -hmm. um, so the guy who was going to take this position had to be really eager and really want to take on this challenge. And um, I think, you know, the fact that he's mentoring these culture changers shows that he's in for the long term. You know, he's looking to build a new culture yeah. here and, and wants to establish this new culture um, for the long term and a couple years down the, down the road. Exactly. And he talked about being on the same page with Mike Elias, which uh, was something that with the previous regime was difficult, especially because Buck Walter was already in place when Dan Duquette was put in place as the general manager of the Orioles. And this seems like the correct order of things. You get your general manager, then you hire your manager. And they seem to already be starting off on a good foot. Brandon Hyde in his introductory press conference talked about the working relationship he hopes to have with Mike Elias. The buzzwords collaboration, that's true for me. To be able to have the, an open dialogue, um, a give and take, a he maybe healthy, a healthy disagreements, but be able to have that relationship where you're able to get better with each other and be able to, to make solid decisions. Um, but yeah, I think the ideal situation for me and I, what I found out right away was, was somebody that I could have a, a working relationship with become close friends with over time and be able to have the t kind of uh, the daily interaction super important. 
Bobby, that can't be overstated. Having a good relationship and a steady flow of information from the manager to the general manager and everyone in between. It's just communication. Communication is key to any good business model, mm-hmm. um, whether it's baseball, whether it's Mass and All Access, whether, <laughs> it's you know, I mean. Our you, Slack group, that's right. huge. Yeah, that's huge, or, probably. you know, the bank down the street. I mean, communication is key. And like you said, under the previous regime, there maybe wasn't always fluid communication. And I think you're right. The, the process that played out was the right process. You start at the top and chuckle your way down. And now from here, that communication has to continue in terms of hiring coaches, minor league coaches, all the way through the entire Orioles organization. Uh, it's a good start. And, and it's also telling that this is one of the first things that they, Brandon Hyde and Michael Ice, have pointed out that they want to establish between themselves. Exactly. And he also gave us some hints, Brandon Hyde did, on the type of manager he's going to be. He kept it pretty vague. Uh, but he said he did learn from the four managers that he was a coach under, four different guys, including Rick Renteria and Joe Madden. Uh, he, those were four very different managers, uh, and he talked about picking up stuff from each one of them. Uh, but he talked about the kind of person he's going to be, how he's going to relate to players, and that's something that you know was talked about by Mike Elias when he brought Brandon Hyde in, is his personal relationship with players and his ability to reach players and he talked about that in his introductory press conference. Yeah, I'm going to be myself. That's, that's the answer to that. Be myself and that I'm going to create great relationships with players. When you create great relationships, you're able to hold accountable. Um, you're able to have tough conversations. Um, being able to coach uh, veteran players as well as young players is a skill. And then I've been fortunate to have all different kinds of teams as a coach. A team that's not very good to a, be on a World Series champion. You know, the bottom line is to, to be yourself, be true to yourself every single day, not be afraid of tough conversations, and, and it's all about staying positive throughout the process. And, Bobby, I think that's interesting because you look at the guys that the Orioles have already brought in in their front office and Mike Elias and Sig Dell and Kobe Perez, who we're going to talk about. Those are analytics and numbers-based guys, typically. Uh, and, you know, Elias and – I mean, Sig Dell literally is a NASA scientist yeah. – Somebody who is very much focused, and he does have some scouting backgrounds, but these are three guys that obviously know their way around sabermetrics and analytics. I think it's good to have somebody in Brandon Hyde who is also versed in analytics and knows that side of baseball, but somebody who can then break it down and explain numbers and statistics to players and talk with them one-on-one so that they understand what the front office wants from them. And that's going to be Brandon Hyde's biggest challenge as the Orioles manager. Can he translate those numbers that he gets from the front office to these players. And it's 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 a wide variety of players. He's going to have young players who probably have never seen these types of numbers or information like this presented this way. Um, old players who, I shouldn't say old, veteran players who probably don't like changing the ways that they approach the game. And then also, you know, we, again, we're going to talk on the, about the international market, Latino and Asian players who mm-hmm. not only do they probably have never seen this information, but it's a different language they have to speak. They have to translate to something that they will understand and be able to apply to their game. So and that's going to be their biggest challenge. I, I like how he says, I'm going to be myself. Um, and that personality, that personable, his approach to the game and his players is going to be key to his success here in Baltimore. Exactly. Uh, and I tried to nail him down a little bit more on specifically – all right, so we're, what kind of manager really are you going to be? Are you going to be 
a Joe Madden who's really going to shake things up and is really going to try some, you know, are we going to see bullpenning in Baltimore? Are we going to, especially with the depleted roster that they have, are they going to try to get really funky, especially in Brandon Hyde's first year? Here's had he, what he had to say about the type of manager he's going to be. You know, I'm going to do everything I can to win the game. So whether that's play four outfielders against in a bat or whether that's uh, shifting or whether that's, you know, people are using the opener or bullpenning or whatever all the new things are, whatever yeah. creative ideas have come up. You know, if it's going to help us win the game that night, then I'm in, I'm in on it. You know, I want, I want as much information as possible, and I want, I want feedback. I want ideas. Yeah, I mean, it's about, it's, it's about winning at this level. Nice job, I thought, by Brandon Hyde to kind of evade that question, but basically <laughs> saying, uh, he, you know, oh, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to win a game. So we don't exactly know still exactly. Right. Are we going to see bullpenning? Are we going to see... Uh, openers uh, like the Rays used last year? Are we going to see uh, more base running uh, than this team is used to in previous years? What do you think, Bobby? Do you think he's going to really get funky here? Well, don't sell yourself short, Paul. I don't think he oh. was totally inv- avoiding your conversation mm-hmm. I, or your, your question. I, I honestly just don't think he doesn't know because, again, we right. don't know how this roster is It's January 4th. We yeah. don't know how this roster is going to look on February 13th when pitchers and catchers report. We're not we're not going to know how it looks you know, at the end of February for yeah. the first spring let training Let alone game. in a couple of years when they're competitive. Right, or let alone opening day, let alone yeah. July September. I, I just don't, I honestly think it's just, that's a tough, I mean, it's a good question. It's a tough question to answer right now because, you know, he, like you said, or even he mentioned, he's been under so many different managers. He's seen so many different styles of, of approaching the game. Um, and I think he also acknowledges, you know, you can only do so much with the players you have. Yeah. Um, it, it, the players will dictate how you're going to pl- approach the game and, and play the game uh, because, you know, you can't just say, oh, we're going to, you know, you know, the reason the Rays did the the whole opener thing is mm-hmm. because they didn't really trust their starting pitching, you know. But what if you have a roster that you have starting pitching? You're not just going to bullpen just yeah. to bullpen. So uh, you know, I think it's going to depend. I mean, they have other offseason moves to make. They mm-hmm. have some questions. You know, what, how they're going to approach this rotation? Are they going to trade off some pieces? Uh, what veteran players are they going to look to bring back or sign? Mm-hmm. Um, so I honestly think it's just it's a, it really is. A, I don't know because we have to see how this roster takes shape. Yeah, and he's already made some additions to his coaching staff, as mentioned. He took Philly's first base coach, plucked him from Philadelphia, Jose Flores. He's joining Brandon Hyde's staff in addition to uh, longtime minor league instructor Tim Cousins. Cousins, I guess. Is the correct pronunciation there? Cousins. Cousins. Uh, so those are two additions made to the Orioles coaching staff. And then a couple days ago, another big addition was made to the Orioles front office, and that would be the hiring of 40-year-old Kobe Perez, Senior Director of International Scouting. He spent five seasons with the Indians most recently and three as Director of Latin American Scouting. This was a huge position to fill, I think, Bobby, because – this person is starting from ground zero. I mean, he is already starting with a death with less than zero in, you know, yeah. uh, structure in place to try to scout and find uh, guys in the international market. So this is a huge position to fill, and they got the guy. Yeah, they got the guy, and I think more, even more specifically, the Latino market mm-hmm. in, in Latin America, the DR, Venezuela, yeah. Cuba. Um, you know, it, that is the area which the previous regime tried to tap in late into you know their time here yeah. late this past season and just was too little too late uh this is something that Orioles fans have been asking for for a long time you know please 
use the international market. Yep. One, it's closer than going all the way to Asia. I mean, not that there's not talent in Asia, but it's just closer here. There is, it's a more fertile ground in terms of young talent. Mm-hmm. Um, let me look at Victor Victor Mesa and Victor Mesa Jr. Um, Sandy Gaston coming out. I mean, it's just there's just more, especially with term and uh, Michael Elias mentioned in his conference call with the media, like the, the surplus of young mm-hmm. uh, position players, yeah. and so. Yeah, it's this market, I think, that why Kobe Perez is a huge hire. Obviously, he's going to oversee the entire mm-hmm. international scouting department, but with a stronger focus towards the Latin American markets. And I also thought it was interesting that they you know, pretty much kept their their Asian market scouting yeah. um, because you know, the Orioles have had success there. They've, they've had some mm-hmm. pretty good success in those markets, so why change what's been doing not too shabby yeah. for you. So, but yeah, it's, it's the focus with the Latin American markets that I think are huge and is what Orioles fans have been asking for, for a while. Previous to his time with the Indians, Kobe Perez also spent five seasons with the Phillies. He helped sign guys like Michael Franco and Sir Anthony Dominguez, who have contributed to uh, the Phillies in big ways uh, mm-hmm. over the past few years. So he's got a track record as well. Calvin Maduro uh, spoke with Rock Cabaco in a great article on MadisonSports.com. Maduro's an international scout with the Orioles, and he's goes back with Perez way back to their playing days, um, all the way back there. And he says he, he called it an outstanding hire. He called him a perfectionist um, and had good things to say about Perez as well. He's starting from really the ground. I mean, he he has, and he acknowledged, I think, in his uh, media call with members of the Orioles media, with international scouting in particular, you are starting, you got to start not when they're 16 and they become available to sign. You got to start when these guys are like 13. When these guys are several years away from even being available to sign, it's about getting relationships with players and their families. Finding them early, that's something that he acknowledged in that call. He said, once you and your scouts identify who these guys are, the sooner you identify, the sooner you can make better decisions. The most important thing for me is identifying guys early. Here's the thing. He just got hired in January of 2019. The free agent signing period for international scouting is until July. That's not a whole lot of time to build relationships and to form a good relationship with a guy that you're going to be able to sign a top guy it's going to be very difficult to get all that done in such a short amount of time yeah and they even mentioned on their conference call that hey the top talent is pretty much already gone yeah um and so for at least for this sign for this period. signing period so it's like you know not only are the, you said they're starting from zero but they're maybe even behind the curveball yeah. in, in terms of that um in the sense that you know they have all this international signing pool money the most in major league baseball but it's like, well, where are we going to put it? All the top players are gone. Yeah. We're not going to just spend it just to spend it. You know, We're going to have to allocate right. it elsewhere and then kind of restart come July 2nd and, and the next signing period starts and looking for those talent. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, like any time anybody starts a new job, you're starting from zero and you got to work your way up and, and catch up. And um, it's going to be tough, but, hey, at least they're tapping into this market and they're finally acknowledging this is where all the – Good, young, cheap talent is coming yeah. from. We need to be able to capitalize um, in this markets as well. Exactly. So I would caution Orioles fans not to judge him too harshly, Kobe Perez and Mike Elias, both of them. I wouldn't judge them too harshly on their first signing period uh, because I just think it's going to be difficult. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I totally agree. And I, I think, you know, 
no matter when, I mean, just the way the time period. Were, I mean, if you play, if fans want to harp on the lack of not getting the Mesa brothers, mm-hmm. not getting Gaston, you know, that's their prerogative, I guess. I I wouldn't. It's just you know, we always saw from the beginning there's going to be a stretch. Yeah. Uh, even if this regime regime was set in place during that time, I still think yeah. Miami had the upper hand. It was always going to have the upper hand. Yeah. But look for the future. This is a good signing, good hire. Um, and Kobe Perez could do a really good job for this organization and, and start this new trend in Orioles baseball in terms of getting Latin American players. Exactly. It's a big part of it, and the Orioles are taking several steps slowly but surely in the right direction. I think the biggest news for the rest of the offseason that we're get is going to get is just coaching staff hires. Yep, minor and league coaches too. Um, yeah, they still have a AAA manager to yeah. replace. Um, yeah, I mean, the, and... You, I mean, it's again. It's January fourth, and you know the holidays just ended. But Mike Elias, Sigma Dell, Kobe Perez, mm-hmm. Brandon Hyde, all those guys—they have a lot of work to do still. Uh, they're working day and night yeah. from here, you know, from here on out. Yeah, and it's just—it's nonstop, and that's just what it takes to to rebuild a, a franchise from the bottom up and, yeah. and back into a contender. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the rest of baseball is just kind of slowly plodding along with free agency this has been uh, i'll tell you bobby last year i thought that was the slowest we'd ever see the market in terms of free agents this year has been even slower i mean this has been crazy i know we're waiting for the two big fish to fall manny machado and bryce harper i'm mixing my metaphors fish to fall (laughs) uh chips to fall i guess but fish to fry fish to fry there we go two big fish to fry but this is just taking forever. So, like, the, the Orioles haven't done anything. We don't expect them to really do anything. Right. Maybe sign a couple veterans, but no, the rest of baseball is just sitting on their hands right now. Right. And you know what? It's actually my play in the Orioles' favor in the sense that it is taking forever, and mm-hmm. some of these old veteran players... We've, we've talked about on the podcast before. Like, should the Orioles go after a veteran player to have... Because they don't... I mean, Caleb Joseph's gone. We're assuming Adam Jones is going to be gone as well. Mm-hmm. The, who are the Orioles? Chris Davis, I guess, Trumbo. Alex Cobb, Kashner, and Bundy. I mean, Trumbo, yeah. Trumbo. But who else are like, you know, the... And, but all of those guys, no one's a real vocal leader, you know? Yeah. You can't... I mean, you can't really replace an Adam Jones, but you need someone like that yeah. to really... Because otherwise, I mean, a manager can only do so much. You're yeah. almost these young players are almost kind of being led by the blind because right. they're just kind of teaching them themselves and yeah. learning on the fly. Um, but yeah, I mean, is it, I'll, I'll pose this question to you, Paul, back to the overall MLB market, mm-hmm. free agent market. Is it be, is it slow or does it just seem slow because the two biggest names haven't been close to signing? Oh, I think it is slow. And really? Because I, yeah. we've seen the nationals make moves. We've seen Lance Lynn sign. We've yeah. seen, um, uh, Obviously, Patrick Corbin, Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, yeah, and uh, gosh, who's the closer? Robinson just yeah, signed David with Robertson, the Phillies. Yeah. Uh, so there are big names coming off the board. It's yeah, just that the two biggest names haven't come off the board, and they're, and they're not even close. And there are so, I think there are a lot of other ones that we haven't seen. We haven't seen Dallas Keuchel sign anywhere. True. Um, we haven't seen... I just feel like last year we haven't... Like, at this time... We hadn't. I mean, there are some decent names that have signed already. I feel like we hadn't heard anybody right. sign at this point. I mean, the winter meetings were besides this trade of John Carlos Stanton. Mm-hmm. It was a very quiet period, and nothing happened. Nothing started happening until right. like end of January, February, with spring yeah. training approaching. But that's not a good thing, you know. Right. Whether it's maybe last year, I guess, was moving slightly slower. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's tough to tell, but 
I, I just think this is a trend over the past couple of years, yep. and it's it's uh, not great, <laughs> I would say, for baseball because not only for you know the business aspect and players want to get great guarantees in the first couple of days as free agency so that they can make their decision and they can get settled in wherever they're living and all that kind of stuff, but for the the excitement factor of baseball, we I, I look to the NBA and the NFL. Nothing is better than the first couple days of NFL or NBA free agency. Yeah. It's wild. It's bonanza. Yep. Everyone loses their minds as these guys come right off the board. And I get it that it's a, a salary cap. Yep. Those are salary cap leagues where teams can only uh, pay a certain number for those guys. Whereas for this one, you know, Bryce Harper could be asking for $700 million <laughs> and just be waiting for that number to come all the way down. But um, it, it still is not... It's not nearly as exciting, uh, and the hot stove is is freezing cold compared to other leagues. Yeah, it is. It, it plays out longer, but I mean, at the, that's your reason right there. Those leagues have salary caps. There's yeah. only so much money those players can get. Yeah. Um, whereas Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, the sky's the limit. Yeah. And I don't blame them for waiting. Yeah. You know, it's I think that's smart business. I get it's frustrating for fans and mm-hmm. probably teams too because they were. They, you know, take the Nationals, for instance. I mean, the Nationals have made moves. Yeah. Or actually, let's take the Phillies, because the Phillies have been in on both of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and by, But by do, by so doing, you're handcuffed in terms yeah. of what else you can do because you don't know how much money you're going to be spending on right. one or both of these players. So you can't really move and make other moves. So yeah. that's, that's frustrating. I get that. But, I mean, I if I were Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, I would be taking my time, too. Yeah, and... I I think you bring up a good point, Bobby, because it's like you have for some teams. I don't think it matters for like for the Yankees. And I think that the teams that have come out definitely in support of Manny and Bryce or or the interest in Manny and Bryce, Phillies, Yankees, Nationals and White Sox. Those teams all have a ton of money to the point where they could then they could sign several other guys and still have room and still have money to sign Bryce Harper and still have money to sign Manny Machado. Most teams aren't like that. Right. Most teams have a certain pool of money, and their ownership tells their front office, "Hey, I'm only willing to spend this a hundred million this offseason, or, or you know, however Whatever, much but, it might right, be." Right. Those teams can't wait around for these guys. Yeah. And even if they might, in theory, have the money to spend on them, they can't wait and watch those guys sign with other teams, and then look at the remaining free agents and say. We didn't get the guys we wanted. There's nobody left. Because we waited. Yeah, because we waited. So, like, I think that's why those four teams stand out. I think most teams can pay for them in theory. Most teams have the money for those massive contracts, but they don't have the availability and the ability to wait out these two free agents. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And and it's a tricky situation. That's why, and from the beginning, we've always said, you know, there's yes, every team is going to be in on these guys. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's only going to be a handful of guys who, are, or a handful of teams that are actually have a realistic chance of signing right. them because of that reason. Yeah. Because one, they have unlimited resources in terms of money, like the Dodgers, Cubs, Yankees. Yep. Um, or two, because you know they can wait on these guys, make the signing, yep. and then also make other signings afterwards. Be, you know, because they just have an endless pool of money. Yeah. And they, you know, they're willing to spend. And some teams aren't like most teams aren't like that. Yeah. So at this point, Bobby, it's January fourth. When do you think these guys sign? Do you have a specific date? Specific, ooh, a specific I think it happens. date. I think it happens this month. I will say. Yeah, I'm going to say it's happened before February because mm-hmm. I, I I believe, I mean, knowing these guys that we've covered their entire careers up to this point, I I, I 
want to believe, you know, we're not going to see what happened last year. They don't want to sign after the start of spring training. They want to know where they're going. Right. They want to know where they're going, get their family settled into that town area, Mm -hmm. know where they're going for spring training, get settled in there. You know, they, you know, they're not going to want to wait around um, or like had to be thrown into the fire. Yeah. You know, they want to settle in and, and be prepared because they're competitors. They want to win. And that's, you know, if if you want to be at the top of your game, that's the way to do yeah. it, you know. Um, and they're going to want to be able to be able to go to the, this new team and start working out yeah. immediately and getting ready for the season. So I, I think it's going to be <laughs> – All to say. <laughs> all to say. I think it's going to be sometime in January, too. Okay. It's, I, it's, I would say because – because spring training starts the second week of February, mm-hmm. so I'm pitchers and catchers report, and then two days, two days yeah. later, position players report. So I'm going to say they want to at least give themselves two weeks to get settled in before yeah. before heading off to spring training. I think Manny signs before Bryce. I'm going to say Manny signs on January fifteenth. Th- th- I'm going to say Bryce signs on January twenty first. You heard it right. Fifteenth and twenty first. Okay. Don't know what days of the week those are. But they're there. Oh, a simple calendar would tell us. <laughs> I think the fifteenth I have in my mind is a Tuesday. It is a Tuesday because I'm doing something that day, and I know <laughs> it. Uh, that's probably why I thought of the fifteenth immediately. And the twenty so. first, you said. Yeah, that's so a Monday. That's, that's the a following Monday, yeah. Monday. Six days, right? So it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Oh, well, 21st. that will uh, be easy to remember. Easy to remember, indeed. All right, uh, let us know where you think these guys are going to sign. Where, you, when you think these guys are going to sign? Leave your comments, concerns, questions, all that good stuff. Please rate, review, subscribe for the Mass and All Access podcast. Bobby, where can we find this podcast? SoundCloud.com slash Mass and All Access. Apple Podcasts. <laughs> there we go. Google Play. Yeah, you got it. And on Twitter, yep. at Bobby underscore Blanco. At Paul Mancano. Anywhere you can find podcasts, pretty much you can yep. hear us. Yep. Mass and, Nas- Mass and Orioles on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yep. So do that. Please. Thanks. See we'll you later. We'll see you later. <laughs>